Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 33, The Worry Men and Sideshow. Hi, chums. It's it's another... Ooh, right. Right. That's the episode we're covering. I was like, ooh, we got some fun stuff. Oh, wait. We got no. some fun stuff. We also have something else. Something a little... Would you say the most problematic one so far? I would definitely say the most pro- problematic so far. Um, it's, it's... Like, it's, it's a... Like, I mean... To be clear, we're two white dudes. We're not the best at judging this, but it's it only seems sort of mildly appropriative. It doesn't feel full on like, ooh. What it ended up feeling like to me by the time I finished the episode and sort of knew what was going on was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so the Mad Hatter is racist. Yeah. It's yeah. basically. <laughs> and I'll buy that. Yeah. And we could get I mean... into this after the summary, but like, he's the guy who went to South America to to like trick some woman and then hi- like enslaved a bunch of random dudes and dressed mm. them up as Mayan warriors. But there's only the one. Eh, mm, eh. There's no defending this. No, it's not good. No, but the position of the show isn't like, this is fine. Yeah. No. Although there is definitely a little bit like I didn't, I, I meant to look up if, if the thing from this episode is a real thing. Oh Yeah. Like a real sort of folk belief or whatever, because like Worry if man. it's a, if it is, then it feels a little like oh look look what these look what these crazy primitives are into, huh? Well, but, let's see. The yeah. first the first Google stuff is absolutely stuff about the episode. Okay, uh, but there are little pictures of like actual worry men that you can buy off of Etsy, so it might be yeah, but, a real thing. Okay, well let's uh, why don't you go into your summary and then we'll talk about yeah this. yeah yeah. Uh, all right, the worry men. Mm-hmm. So by Bruce Matt Wayne, Robotham. An, es- uh, an intricately researched essay by Matt Robotham. Age 36? Uh, for at least another week. Yeah. All right. So Bruce Wayne finds himself at the homecoming celebration of Veronica Vreeland, last seen trying to date Batman's second deadliest foe, the Penguin, as a joke. Recently returned from a trip to South America, Veronica has brought a collection of Mayan worry dolls to give to all her rich white friends who are having just a grand old time living it up, wearing explorer clothes and surrounded by Mayan masks and statues. At this point, Bruce, who was forced to come here when absolutely nobody chose to break out of Arkham this week, if you can believe that, spots a guy dressed up as a Mayan warrior, I think on the roof and goes to investigate. The warrior easily beats his ass by throwing an intricately painted sphere at the Dark Knight, making this the very first case of Batman v Super Bowl. Bruce returns home, giving one of the warrior men to Alfred, who slips it beneath beneath Bruce's pillow, assuming that a guy who has been tortured by the death of his parents for over 20 years could probably benefit from a good night's sleep. Alas, while the sleep makes Bruce a much happier person, it also makes him 20 million, he put $20 million in a briefcase and then hand it to the aforementioned Mayan warrior. A news report reveals that many local Gotham millionaires have been relieving themselves of their money, something I wish that I could muster any form of sympathy for. <laughs> uh, I guess a guy played by LeVar Burton gets arrested for an embezzlement. I'm not thrilled about that. I like LeVar Burton. Elaborate shrug. <laughs> Batman realizes that all of the millionaires were at Veronica's shitty party, so he meets with Veronica just as she's about to throw a briefcase of her fabulous jewels to a boatload of Mayan warriors. Batman gets a good look at the worry dolls, notices the brain-controlling microchips inside of them, and then realizes it's probably the fucking Mad Hatter again. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Madison Hattison has traded in the life of a sex creep for that of a thief creep, using his mind-controlling microchips to dupe Gotham's 1% out of millions of dollars. Oh, no, don't do that. Luckily, Batman arrives to whip the Hatter's ass, activating a device that undoes Hatter's mind control. And because the Hatter never actually pays any of his goons, they all turn against him and beat the shit out of him, Uh, including the Mayan shaman who made the worry dolls in the first place. Anyway, the day is saved, the money is returned, and rich white people continue to get to do whatever the hell they want while Batman looks out for them. The end. You know, I was talking to Amanda about this, who... who Amanda made the exactly the same point, like, why should I care about these rich people? And I agree with her. Mm-hmm. But I think the position of the show, and maybe they weren't successful at this, but the position of the show is 
usually mm-hmm. these guys are shallow pricks and we don't care about them, but we do care about Bruce Wayne, who seems to be kind and is trying to do the right thing. That is and true. She, she said she personally doesn't, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that, but I think that's what the show's trying to do. The thing is, I wouldn't care about Bruce Wayne if I didn't know he was Batman, but I do, so like... But and we I'll... see, anytime we see him in the context of being a rich dude, mm-hmm. we see him using his millions to do good. Like, he he's opened oh, a soup yeah. kitchen, and he he takes a personal hand in the rehabilitation of, of his more rehabitable, mm. uh, uh, you know, uh, criminal foes. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's there's... There's evidence that he's trying to play both sides of this, which is always, I think, the best version of it. That 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 is what I like to see from from Bruce as a kid. Like, yeah, uh, the Dark Knight movies sort of play up Bruce sacrifice, like Bruce sac- basically sacrificing the character of Bruce Wayne to make him look like a like a playboy idiot. Yeah, to as so a smokescreen so that people don't know he's bad. Exactly. Whereas this Bruce, who I much prefer, is like like. You know he'll help. He, he fights crime as Batman, and he does all his Batman stuff that we watch every week. But also, Bruce the person is like, you know, he's actually putting in work as a volunteer. He's donating money. Like he's a good person yeah. all the time. And what what this particular version of Bruce does is more the Clark Kent thing, where he bumbles around mm-hmm. a lot and like makes it like tries to distract from the fact that he's incredibly like athletic. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't realize, like, I mean, yeah, he's he's built like that, but so is every man in Gotham. Yeah, that's not super surprising to see from, like, a bil- like a billionaire playboy who's got nothing, who, as far as everybody yeah. knows, has nothing to do all day. You yeah, know? has a personal trainer and a dietitian and, like, you know, people, like, whipping him into shape. It's like, yeah, it makes sense that that guy looks like he's carved from God's own wood. Mm-hmm. Because he can pay people to help him get there. Yeah, exactly. Which he did, mm-hmm. but to a different end than they realized. But, yeah, I... But the point is, like, it's supposed to be a little sympathetic because he mm-hmm. did take Bruce Wayne's money. Yeah, but I mean, also the... we we don't want the Mad Hatter to have it. Well, no, that's the thing is, like, I don't want I don't want these these million I don't give a shit about these millionaires being robbed. But also, fuck the Mad Hatter. I don't want him to get paid either. That's the thing is, like, the last several years have absolutely radicalized me, and I am all about the redistribution of wealth, but not into that guy's <laughs> not hands. Into this guy. Can I actually, we can play my quote right here? Yeah, sure. Because this is, this is the Mad Hatter lamenting the fact that he isn't rich. And it's the best line of the episode. Well, actually, Batman, you'll be happy to know you're witnessing my retirement from crime. See, after my recent release from Arkham, I vowed to leave Gotham and my wicked ways behind me. You perhaps buy a little island somewhere and open a sunbonnet shop. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh huh. So anyway, Mad Hatter's a rich asshole now. Yeah, and oh boy. So let's let's talk about some of this problematic stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah, he he reveals that he went to Central America while Veronica Vreeland was there. And he he followed her basically. Yeah, and and mind controlled this one. Actual Mayan? Do yes. Mayans are Mayans still a thing? Like, of course, their descendants are, but but as we know them, the classic like like temple building, you know, like I I don't think that's a thing anymore. Is I it? mean, we know so little about the shaman, as it's called in the episode. Yeah, that like he could easily just be a guy who knows like about a Mexican him. dude or or whatever yeah. Central America. I, I guess he said Central America, so yeah. like some Central American country, like. Who's just, just like just who knows some about, dude from El Salvador or whatever? Yeah, who knows about worry dolls and fucking Jervis kidnapped? He, like he, he probably has just one of those like roadside like uh, you know kitschy uh, knickknack stands. Yeah, just like oh yeah, any tourists coming through here are gonna want to know about the traditional folkways of the people. So mm-hmm. I'll make these little dolls and sell them for a two hundred percent markup and take advantage of white people. Yeah, and then Big Tooth McGiant Hat shows up to be all like, hmm, <laughs> I can use this to uh, to rip off that one woman over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? If she'll sleep with... That's not quite his voice, but... Uh, if she'll sleep with the penguin, maybe she'll sleep with me. Just making your way around all of Gotham's villains, is it? No. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, she, you know... She took the first step toward the penguin. I'm mm. not I'm not saying like she brought it all on herself, but she did sort of like make them aware like, "Oh, yes, Veronica Vreeland, of course." Mm-hmm. 
but uh, she's less of a jerk this time. She is written still very shallow, which I oh like. yeah, and I kind I kind of like her. Well, that's ha- what I was saying. The show's position tends to be rich people are assholes. Yeah, which I appreciate. It's just the whole the whole party for her is just very much like let's all dress in pith helmets and. Just- oh yeah, the safari outfit, the the safari costume is very like. I don't know, because it's not really appropriative. It is like a, a British thing that British hunters wore, mm. but it's like British hunters who would go to countries they didn't, like, that weren't theirs to shoot animals they had no right shooting. Yeah. So it's still a little little icky. It's it's not great. And just like... It's a hey, colonizer costume is what it is. Yeah. And just having her like, hey, I'm back from South America. Here's a bunch of South American stuff I brought back with me because I'm a rich white lady. I mean, it's a lot like that person you know when you're in college who spent a like a month in you know Spain or something, mm-hmm. and they just keep talking about Spain and won't shut up about how they do things in Spain or where you know wherever. It Listen, is. I was a nerd in high school. I definitely knew a lot of people who are like, "Have you heard about Japan?" Uh huh. I guess yeah. You grew up on the West Coast, so mm-hmm. like, like I I heard a lot about you know like from the handful of people I knew like that, I heard about Europe or mm-hmm. like I was in a military town. I heard about people who got transferred to other places but yeah i guess you would have heard a lot about like japan or other places in asia this is how they do things in the magical land of japan okay i mean it's to our cultural perspective it seems a little weird Mm. japan's a little weird to me but you know Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you need to like be one of them people who's just like hey you know who's better than not like hey dude no all right stop it yeah but anyway, like, I still can't figure out, and again, we're mm-hmm. two white dudes, but I can't figure out just how far, like, how bad this is. There, It's definitely some kind of racist. I'm not sure yeah, how but, racist, but it's definitely some kind of But racist. there's a spectrum, and cultural appropriation is bad, mm-hmm. but it's also like, okay, this was 1992, they didn't... They weren't quite as aware. Like, they were aware, but not as aware as we are now. Mm. And, like, you can forgive some of it. Also, there's a weird... This is a good thing, mm. but it's odd. There's There seemed to be a sudden and much welcome uh, uh, effort to m- make more people of color in Gotham. Yeah, that was... Ex- that, that I was very excited to see that. Like, uh, as you pointed out, uh, LeVar Burton was one of the rich dudes at the party. Like, yep. you said rich white dudes. Yes, except for LeVar Burton. Like, yep. the one person of color there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, the newsreader wasn't Summer Gleason. It was just a black dude. And it wasn't, like, it all tied back to, like, this sudden presence of, like, black people who exist yeah. in Gotham. It's just, like, no, now they exist. And, like... Bruce's secretary seemed to be some flavor of Caribbean that I couldn't quite I place. I think, I th- again, white guy, but I yeah. think Jamaican, but I'm not super sure. But could like, be Jamaican or like Barbados or like somewhere, somewhere, you know, something Caribbean for yeah. sure. The the but the fact that he's got a like his secretary is like a, a woman of color with like with like an accent. Yeah. That'll and like I was, and it's not was, relevant to the story. It's I was just a, so expecting it to be relevant to the story in some yeah. way, you know. No, now I've seen three black people. That must mean that this this thing ties. Ooh, that's going to be rough. And yeah, no, it wasn't. it's like and no, it there's nothing just, to do with anything. There's just some black people in this episode. Yes, and it's, it's like, nice. well, that's nice to see. There haven't been any for this entire <laughs> this, series. Almost this episode effectively doubled the. Uh, person of color count in Gotham. Like we had Lucius, we and, had uh, the, the mechanic the, and his daughter. The mechanic and his daughter, and maybe Harvey. He maybe Harvey elaborate best. shrug. But he, if, even if he is, it only counts as half. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but that was nice. Mm. It was just nice to see. Um, of course, there was, and it was a very telling. Like it was written, I think, from the right perspective, which mm. is the poor secretary thinks. Bruce is going to take the twenty million out of her, her yep. paycheck for handing him the briefcase. It's like you specifically asked me to put twenty million dollars of your money into a briefcase. I said maybe it's not a good idea to put it all that money in a briefcase and then put it on your windowsill. And you said, "Don't worry about it. Please don't fire me for telling you." Well, she says, "Don't take it out of my paycheck." Yeah. I'm like, I think she's serious. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which feels like a very like I, I, not just people of color but in general just sort of a class like a class statement Mm -hmm. like oh god this rich person lost their their money and i am in some way involved in this they're gonna blame me i'm gonna get in so much trouble for this (laughs) yep 
So. Her next her next employee review is just like, well, first of all, you lost $20 million of Bruce Wayne's money, so that's not great. Now, here's a graph reflecting Bruce Wayne's personal uh, uh, you know, net worth mm-hmm. before that day and mm-hmm. after this day. Do you notice a difference? Do you notice the line going down by about $20 million? She's just like, I noticed no difference whatsoever. Well, Bruce has a lot of money, so it's really just a drop in the bucket. But we're still you know not what? He thrilled. Didn't either. I mean, really, that's just, like, what, half a bat plane? Exactly. That's the thing. Bruce is so, like, Bruce is so rich that it's not, like, it's not, like, real rich. No. Like, like he he has, like, an Uncle Scrooge amount of money. Yeah. What what is it, 16 Fantasticillion, like, uh, there's, like, there's, like, some made-up numbers. Yeah, I I used to know this, but, like. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I will give him this, though. He is tougher than the toughies and smarter than mm, a couple of people. Some of the smarties. Not all, <laughs> Not of, them. all of them, though. <laughs> Depends on the episode, I guess. Tougher Depends than the who's... toughies and smarter than the Riddler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that should absolutely be, like, on, I don't know, like, on the uh, the vanity license plate holder on the Batmobile. <laughs> or, like, just the Wayne family crest. Well, that's what I was thinking. You don't want to give up to your Batman, so you put it on the Batmobile. You put it, like, on a bumper sticker on the Batmobile. Uh. I love the idea of the, of a bumper sticker on the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Well, Damien definitely put some on. There. Oh yeah, but in this universe, I don't know. Tim might have. Mm-hmm. I know you're not like recently familiar with this version of Tim, but he's 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 pretty fun. I assume he's mostly like what I remember from the comics. You know, I don't know. He's because they mostly play up the ki- like all the stuff you think mm-hmm. Dick is missing, which you're right about. Uh-huh. Uh They definitely make up for by making him sort of the fun. Just like the the cheerful one, the, right. the the one cracking the jokes, and the one like you know, doing the doing the crazy acrobatic flips and making mm-hmm. all the dumb jokes and like giving a big smile, like him and him and uh, Barbara both. All right, good. Just like big grin into the camera as Batman gets more and more grim. Good, I'm looking forward to that because Dick is just not doing it for me. No, as Nightwing though, because they just again I've talked about this a lot, but mm-hmm. they lean into just how much he sucks. Good. They should. He, he sucks. Yeah, but he wasn't in this episode, yeah. so we we could lay off him this week. Oh, I don't know about that. But uh, what was your good thing about this episode? So, uh, there's a elaborate fight scene uh, towards the end of this episode that's just in a costume shop, and it's all like mannequins dressed as Batman, like various Batman villains, and I love it. Like, it's a unique idea. It's executed well. It looks cool. Like, I will man- give you. I will give you all of that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it fits the Mad Hatter's aesthetic at it all. It doesn't. The thing is, like, it's the Mad Hatter, so he's fucking hiding out at like a costume shop, basically. Yeah. Because where can I find the most hats in Gotham? No, he's I still know. just. I mean, he he lets out about ten different fucking Alice in Wonderland quotes. Oh like yeah. And he already hit out in Wonderland Land, mm-hmm. so like he's used that up. So you know. I don't know, Jabberwocky sub sub shop or something. Sure, but it's like the Mad Hatter is not in any way a physical threat. Batman can whip his ass real easy because he's just a dork in a coat. But I mean, like, yeah, about half of Batman's guys are that. I mean, that is true. But like, so doing something unique, like just just here's a bunch of here's a bunch of mannequins who are gonna try to kill you dressed as your rogues gallery. I loved it. No, and I, I, I did too. I honestly did. I didn't think it. Like I said, it, it just it didn't quite fit with the Mad Hatter. Like it could have been anyone. Any oh yeah, you could have given that, that to, to any fucking like yeah. b- like brainiac uh, villain. But it's still it was still good. I noticed. I don't know if this was intentional, mm. but it felt like they were coming at him in order of threateningness. Oh, so starting with the Penguin and moving. It to the did Red start Lo- with the Penguin, and it ended with the Joker, and it it seemed to get gradually more like more physically threatening as as it went on and that that kind of tracked uh i'm sure you noticed this mm. uh harley came at him and then uh the joker came at him as as sort of a uh, jack-in-the-box yep. and smashed harley to pieces with a big hammer oh yeah i was just about to bring that up but <laughs> yeah it's which like... paul dini wrote this episode so that was definitely d- intentional i mean he definitely he <laughs> he knows the dynamic he created it he's definitely got the character right out of the box like yeah no, she's only been in the show like what three times now. Yep, and and wow, I I'm even these sh- sort of fake versions of them are like playing it out like Amanda said, Punch and Judy, and mm-hmm. then, yep, that's exactly I, what I, it is. I guarantee after the Harley and Ivy episode, uh, Paul Dini knows exactly like that he's get, knows he's gonna get to Mad Love at some point. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, the They might have come up with that, he, like, early on. Well, the comic came out before the episode actually aired. Right. So, like, he might have, like, it might already be out by this point in the show. Well, when they decided that Harley would be more than just a, a throwaway one-time hench person, mm-hmm. they probably discussed, like, well, what's her origin? Where'd she come from? Yeah. And that's, I would imagine that's where the idea came mm-hmm. from. But I don't know that. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That that whole sequence was very good. It's just like it's a neat little set piece, and I always like a good Batman set piece. Yeah, and and I hadn't noticed for the last like yes, in the Rachel Ghoul episode, but like for the last little while, we haven't had a ton of like really dramatic third act, mm-hmm. like fighting in a cool place. Things are not enough that I'd really noticed. But, yeah, but that, this week we got two of them. I yeah, thought. that's a that's a thi- like. That's just it's a part of Batman that I really like is the the elaborate set piece, you know? Well, it's in the it's in the show bible. Mm-hmm. Um I uh this is out there on the internet somewhere, but I finally had a chance to look over it a couple months ago and and like well, after we'd well well after we'd started the show, like mm-hmm. I wanted to read it before, but y- you know, you never find time to read stuff. Yeah. But um but a lot of it was ended up not happening the way they wanted to. Like they kind of wanted Bruce to be a jerk. Yeah, yeah, I've sort seen of that. in 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 contrast to what we we were just talking about, mm. um, but also there's th- the thing about the third act, like encouraging all the spec writers to like, look, you, you know, you know, Batman, mm-hmm. like pick your villain, whatever, but you have to build to a big climax someplace visually interesting. Yeah, I, I really like that. That's mm. cool. Good way to run a show. Uh, my good thing yes. is at the at the end of that fight, at the end of the episode, or, or no, it's not quite at the end, but like after after that whole fight happens, uh, Jervis takes his trademark top hat off, throws it on the ground, and stomps on it. And really, if anyone in this show is going to do that old cartoon move, mm-hmm. he's the guy to do it. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was great. It was real stupid. And then it pops right back into place, and he puts it back on. Yeah, because he's the Mad Hatter. He knows how to damage a hat without breaking it. He's got, like, a stomp-proof protection somehow. Get me the most unstompable hat you could find. Oh, no, he designed it himself. <laughs> I've put intricate work into this particular hat. It's spring-loaded. Also, there are hydraulics. Also, there are tiny little robot gears. There are seven seven ways you can't crush this hat. Batman, I think you'll find this particular hat quite unstompable. And then Batman just punches him in the face. Yeah, I was just about to say, so, like, all the other villains are like, have you protected your, your, your precious smart head in any way? How about your no, gi- just my hat. <laughs> How about your giant teeth? Have you done anything to protect those, Jervis? Well, he can punch me in my jaw because I don't have one. Yes, it's just, it's all top teeth. Mm-hmm. I've run rings around you, logically, Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, intercourse the penguin. <laughs> Not literally, though. Ew. Somebody call. No, nobody called for you. I was just waiting outside for someone to want to intercourse me. <laughs> uh, we already pretty much talked about your bad thing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, wanna, anything Jer- else you want to touch on? With uh, that, really? That's pretty much it. I can't really get mad at Jervis for trying to r- rip off a bunch of rich idiots, but I also no. don't like him, so. Yeah. But uh, uh, his whole take on, uh, number one, slavery, like... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Although I not again, mm-hmm. not to excuse it in any way. He absolutely 100% used his mind control on a dude from Central America. Yep. But everyone else was local toughs from a gang, like gangs in Gotham. So like at least that wasn't, you well, know. That's the thing is Jervis is the cheapest of Batman's villains, I've noticed. He Well, and he even says, "I don't have any money." Yeah. And that's why cuz Batman's like, "You're not a you're not a thief. What are you doing?" And he's like, well, yeah, because I don't have any money, so that's that's why I started stealing stuff, because I don't have any money. I But, like, there's a shot of him surround, like, it's not enough money to be impressive, but mm. it's enough to, where, like, if it was you, you would think it was impressive. He's yeah, just but he doesn't of... have, like, the, like, you remember that uh, promotional image for the last season of Breaking Bad where Walter White is sitting on the big throne of money? Yeah, it's not that. It's, it's just not he, that. He got a couple of bags of, uh, uh, like, of dollars, like, dollar sign bags of money, and yeah. he just sort of spread them out around his one chair. Mm-hmm. And, like, now if that... you're if you're just glancing at it, it looks like he's rich, but it's not really that much money. No, for all we know, there could be hamburgers in there. He could have just, like, beaten up the Hamburglar and taken his sacks of burgers. Well, I mean, between the two of them, I could definitely see the Hamburglar kicking his ass before the other way. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I've never seen the Hamburglar, like, in a a proper throwdown. I don't know what his physical, like, 
I don't know. I mean, Hamburglar, at the very least, eats a lot of hamburgers, so you know he's beefy. Yeah, so he's probably a little logy, a little mm. slow, a little, you know, like sort of Homer Simpson, like, let me just uh, rubble, rub. But the thing you know? is, Jervis is wiry, but also that guy clearly has spent no time learning how to fight. No, what he's done is memorized every bit of Alice in Wonderland. Like, fucking read another book, man. Jesus Christ. All right, I will. What about Alice Through the Looking Glass? Oh, my God. Ah! Quit quoting the Jabberwocky, for fuck's sake. I oh have God. to. It's the only threatening part of the book. <laughs> really, not the off-with-his-head part. All right, fine. Jabberwock, then the Red Queen, and then what? I'm out of ideas. I don't know, because I don't know Alice in Wonderland that well. I know the Disney version mostly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read it, but, like, the end. I didn't decide to base my entire personality around it. What book did you base your personality on? I mean, Batman, clearly. Yeah, but that's not a book. It's a type of book. No, one single book. You don't get comics, not because they're comics, but because they're ongoing. Oh, like... fuck. One single book. I don't know. <laughs> like, what I'm saying, like, you could pick a, a Batman, uh, a single graphic novel, but no, you what I'm know saying what? is, like... I will base my entire personality around the Batman uh, 50 Years of the Dark Knight collection that I had when I, when I was 10. There you go. That's a book. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Mine, of course, is based on the Bible. (laughs) Well, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard you say. (laughs) Uh, My bad thing. Oh, my Lord. So, uh, yes, my Lord, Matt. (laughs) Hang on. I'm just Uh, doing the cross thing. uh, Testicle spectacles while I'm watching. (laughs) So my bad thing. Batman tracks Madison Haddison down because his Mayan guys are wearing fur from theatrical costumes, and mm-hmm. the Adam West leap of logic here is apparently all, you can only buy fur for theater costumes mm-hmm. at one place in Gotham, which is now closed. Yep. What? You're real out of luck if you're at uh, in the Gotham Performing Arts or whatever. But if Gotham's supposed to be like New York or some you know mm-hmm. giant city like that, presumably it has a thriving arts community. Surely they buy their costumes from more than one place that is now out of business. There's a there's a thing that detective stories always like do that like it doesn't work. And where, that's like where the clothes come from only one place. Well, it's all based off of the Sherlock Holmes thing where it's like you you must have come from this one part of the city because it only has this one specific type of mud in it, which yeah. is fine if you're an asshole detective in London, but like it doesn't really work if it's like a costume because more than one costume shop exists. No, and again, if Gotham is supposed to be, say, New York City, Broadway is massive. Uh-huh. Surely they have more than one single store supplying, or, you know, warehouse or whatever, supplying all of Broadway. Mm. That just doesn't track. Well, the problem is that the the they kept having to shut down all of the Broadway performances because the Joker kept showing up and killing everybody. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, look make... at that. You're doing cats again, huh? Mm-hmm. Catwoman's trying her best to, like, stop him. But... Catwoman's just in the audience, like, bring on the rum-tum-tugger. Oh, this is the best thing I've... She's just clapping and giggling. Woo! This is the best thing I have ever seen. <laughs> Never close this show. <laughs> Never. Just front row. Now and forever. Uh-huh. <sighs> All right. Uh, anything else about this one? Uh, we have fun. Uh, let me see here. Uh... <laughs> There's a part where the guy uh, dressed as the the Mayan basically hits Batman with a chair leg. <laughs> yep. Okay. So the dude wandering, like like running around in the beginning in in the traditional costume, mm-hmm. is I always confuse two different mystery science theater movies from late in the sci-fi run. Sure. It's either Puma Man or the other one that also involves like. Ancient natives giving oh, uh, a white dude. Oh, Warwolf? No, 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 no. I'll, there's a bit of that in there as well, sure. but there's another one where there's ancient native dudes giving a white dude powers or something. Oh, God. I remember anyway, Puma Man. I'm it not reminded sure me of the other one. It reminded me of one of those where mm-hmm. there was like a like a Mayan dude or maybe an Aztec in this version yeah. or whatever, like like running around and, and terrorizing a city. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking of, like, oh, right. And we're recording this on Thanksgiving Day, which just made me want to watch Mystery Science Theater all the more because, you know, Turkey Day. Like, yep. Tis the, the season. Um, among our people. Mm-hmm. Our people being nerds. Yep. Uh, I also love the idea that 
for the first part of the episode, Batman thinks there's some new Mayan-themed supervillain. Yeah, and it's not. It's just a Mayan guy who got stuck here. Yeah, but that's... Uh, like, that tracks. Logically, uh-huh. that tracks. Oh, yeah. If someone's running around in a costume you don't typically see in this city, it's probably because some asshole decided to commit crimes and mm. wear th- whatever that is. Uh-huh. That's just, that's just how the city rolls. Like, when it's one of those sort of borderline things you see occasionally but not often, it's mm. like, hmm, are there motorcycle gangs in Gotham or is this some new <laughs> motorcycle-themed villain? I'm the cyclist, Batman. All right, well... Okay. I'm the psychopath. Come on. That's pretty good, actually. No, it's not. It's terrible, but that's the point. That would have been a perfect chef kiss, late 80s, early 90s Batman villain. Yeah, I know. That's around when I was reading Batman briefly, after the Tim Burton movie came out, mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, Batman comics. I wonder... Oh, no. I don't no, really like maybe these. not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On second thought, let's not go to Gotham City. Tis a boring place. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else? Uh, that's everything I got. Very well. Well, then, let me take you now to a place we call Sideshow. Our tale begins out in the middle of fucking nowhere. This is relevant because noted amphibious asshole Killer Croc escapes from his prison train, forcing Batman to chase him through the middle of fucking nowhere. Which is kind of completely hilarious because one of these guys is extremely well acclimated to swinging around rooftops, while the other lurks in sewers. And neither of these things exist in the nebulous forest canyons of wherever the fuck this is supposed to be which means they both fail to do very basic things like walk in a straight line or throw a punch at one another because they're too busy picking hummingbirds out of their teeth and avoiding collisions with deadly moose. (laughs) After reenacting his most famous tale, you know, the one involving Batman and a rock and hitting him with same, Croc gives Batman the slip, by which he means he slips, by which I mean he slips on a rock and nearly breaks his damn neck before plummeting off a waterfall with a familiar cry of, At the bottom, he discovers... Uh, no, not a hidden cave. What do you think this is? King's Quest Four? Mm-hmm. No, he discovers the next most obvious thing. A farm where retired circus performers have decided to live together in peace where they won't be mocked for being conjoined twins or being an Andre giant or... liking Shakespeare? Okay, there's also a kid who appears to be a seal with the head of a small boy. He's definitely fleeing some cruelty here. Anyway, they offer Croc sanctuary in their circus workers' paradise as long as he agrees to put on a pair of overalls and a straw hat and promise not to steal their precious nest egg of $50,000. Croc doesn't do any of that. So Batman shows up, one foot in a bear trap, the other foot being viciously humped by a rabid raccoon, and absolutely covered in pine tar, maple leaves, and some third type of tree-based humiliation. I don't know trees. I live in a city. And more importantly, so do these two. So what should be a vicious and well-choreographed ballet of pugilism mostly involves them crashing into the side of a barn and falling into some cow manure. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty great! Finally, Batman catches Croc and the GCPD show up to cart him away in a substantially upgraded apparatus, so this can't happen again. They also very clearly do not take Batman with them, and it's extremely doubtful that he has enough of a signal out here to call for Alfred or his automated plane to come rescue him, which really just made me wish there was a second part to this episode involving Batman bumbling his whack ba- bumbling his way back through the wilderness and hitching a ride home, because seriously, that shit is gold, man. I got this image of Batman just out on a dirt road with a bindle over his back and a sign saying Gotham or bust on it. But that's halfway through the episode because mm-hmm. he's got to get through those woods and across that river first and across that canyon. There is nothing in the world funnier than Batman in the woods. And the thing is, I don't know that it was necessarily played for laughs. Like, I don't think we're mocking something that's meant to be taken super seriously, but it wasn't really comedy either. It was just like, he's out of his element. He's so out of his element. And like, Batman, like, Batman's costume is like, it's built to be like, frightening and threatening. Yeah, so he can hide in the shadows and and alleyways of a city full of uh, uh, skyscrapers. But that's the thing. It's it's a city. When you put that same person in the woods on a bright sunny day, he yep. looks like an idiot. And neither of them are very well suited to it. At least Croc sort of has like a weird Bigfoot thing going for him. Yeah, but he like that bit where I was talking about him slipping on the rock. That was real. Like he, oh he, yeah. What he, was, what he was trying to do is jump across a, a river, mm-hmm. and he the, the rock was too slippery, and he <laughs> fucking wanged his head on a rock. It's just like oh, I gotta get away from Bell. Oh no! But like you know. He's supposed to be sort of an amphibian dude, mm-hmm. and he can't even jump from, like, across a river. Uh, and his like, defense, he did get shot with a tranquilizer dart. 
Yeah, but also, come on, man. If you're transporting Killer Croc, but what I'm saying is if you're transporting Killer Croc to Mm -hmm. prison, maybe your tranquilizer should be smart enough to lay out Killer Croc. Uh Uh-huh. And not just make him a little sleepy and a little uneasy on his feet. Those should knock him right out. It's like, okay, so we got to deal. We got to we gotta make sure Killer Croc doesn't escape from this train. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to get one guy, give him a shotgun with tranquilizers that don't work great, and just no, lock him in a room No, that maybe could knock out him. a regular guy. Yeah. But, like, he's like he's groggy. He's a little shaky on his feet. You're right. But, th- come on, man. They should have given them, like, like hardcore elephant tranquilizer. You oh, know? yeah. The dart should have been strong enough to pierce his, like, tough skin, mm-hmm. and it should have been strong enough to, like, uh, like, um, oh, God, I was knock trying him... to think of, what's that? Knock him out? Well, yeah, but I was thinking, like, I don't know, like, even make, like, Hunter S. Thompson get high, but I was trying to think of, like, who's the who's the incredible drug-fueled person of now, and I, I just drawn a blank. Oh, man, I don't know anymore. Yeah, I don't either. It, you know, when when stuff got legalized, it's like, mm. well, fuck, I don't know. C- C- Nobody C- cares C- anymore. Current celebrities aren't, like, just shut up about their fucking drugs. Well, I mean, they're weed, but now it's like, that's not even a crime anymore, Snoop. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson's probably fine. Yeah. Anyway, but they, they should have been equipped. I'm killer croc over here. <laughs> they should have been equipped to take him out, is my point. Yeah. Um... It definitely, this movie, th- th- this movie, this mm-hmm. episode definitely had vibes of, like, sort of an old B movie in a, in a very good way. Oh, yeah. Well, like, the whole escaped convict hooks up with, like, like the circus, like, or, well, like, there's just that, trusting but... people out in the middle of nowhere, you know? Yeah, that's, that's more what I was thinking of, like, the circus element as well, but also specifically just the... The small town. Sometimes there's a woman who who falls in love with him mm-hmm. and trusts him, even though she shouldn't. Sometimes there's a kid. That's that was the case in this episode. Yeah, but like it, it's always like, and then his conflict is, ooh, do I do I give myself a new life with these with these yokels, or do I go back to my horrible life of crime? And what I love about Croc, this is actually kind of your good thing. Oh yeah, is that he he never has that moment. Well, the thing like. Here's the thing that I love about this. And I really liked this episode. No, this is one of my favorites so far, honestly. Like, this is great. Like, I did not expect this from a Killer Croc episode. A character for whom I have nothing. No. So, like, after the whole I threw a rock at him, like, Croc is kind of a dumb joke. And this episode makes him actually scary. Just, like, a big, unbeatable, scary asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, the fights between him and Batman that, like, open and close the episode are fucking brutal for this show. No, and, and and yeah, I played up how funny they were, and it was a little funny, but when the fights got going, and the third act set, uh, set piece in this one was, mm. like, around this farm with, like, a giant, like, uh, one of those water wheels. What do they call those things? I know they're called I water wheels, it, but there's a oh yeah, spe- as far as specific I know, name wheel. for them. The, the, the kind that, like, drive a windmill or whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's, it's one of those. I also don't live in the wilderness. No, but sometimes you know the words for things, True. even if you haven't seen them. It's it's from reading and watching television and things. But um, I grew I, up in a farm town, so I made it my business not to learn any farm stuff. Oh, I mean, same. Yeah. I actually lived on a farm for uh, not very long, but like briefly, I think when my mom and I were between homes, we lived with like a, a family on a farm. Sure. I hated it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a farm. Yeah. I mean, look. Farmers do important work. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they're there, but that life is not for me. No. But it, it, what I'm saying is, like, it's an interesting setting, and because we're not in the city, mm-hmm. we're not seeing the normal stuff we see. So, like, it, it made it extra interesting because, like, it's visually interesting, and also these guys, like, don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I just, like, I love how much of this, like, the fights in the, like, there's so... Th- there's usually, like, a certain sort of artistry to, like, Batman fighting yeah. his villains. But, like, this is just two guys beating the shit out of each other. Yep. And I kind of, lo- like, I th- when I was watching the, the, the fight that opens it, I'm like, if this were any, like, it really feels like these guys should be bleeding at this point. And the only reason they're not is because of standards and practices. Like, right. Like, <laughs> there should be, like, broken bones and stuff. Yeah, and this, like, part of this, part of the the conflict should be when Batman finally catches up with him the next time mm-hmm. is he's been out in the wilderness for days. Yeah. He should be exhausted. Maybe limping along with, if not a broken leg, at least like a sprained mm-hmm. ankle. 
and just barely holding his guts in with the tiny sewing kit he has yeah. in his utility belt. Like that should be an extra layer on top of everything else is his exhaustion and injury, mm. you know? Yeah, that's the but thing we don't get to see a whole lot of. And I would love to see it more. With no, the... it's one of those sort of dots that I connected anyway. Mm. Like it, they didn't say it, but I just assumed. Yeah, that was the, like they're both exhausted and and hurt mm-hmm. and and delirious. Like he might have some emergency rations in that belt, but he can't hide days worth of food and water. Yeah, in no. There. That's not so, like he was expecting to be in the woods today. No, it's not like he could go hunting for dinner. All right, hang on. What side of the tree does moss grow on? I used to know this. Where's my Junior Woodchuck's guidebook? <laughs> but uh, I I really enjoyed it, and like there was a portion of the episode. There's a good five minute chunk, and mm-hmm. five out of twenty two minutes is a lot of minutes. I yeah. know that doesn't sound like much, but it is. Where there's no dialogue, where it's just Batman pursuing Croc through the mm-hmm. woods, and I was like, I'm not usually into that kind of thing in this show, but like I would have been okay if the whole episode had been silent to that point I would from from that point I was very interested to hear to hear what you sort of thought about this because I know you're not a big action sequence guy and not usually these are some good fucking action sequences no I I like when they're exemplary what I don't like is seeing the same boring Mm -hmm. thing like I don't want to get into this because I know a lot of people love this show Mm -hmm. that I'm about to talk about but the Mandalorian uh, a friend of mine pointed out the other day like you know, I think we've seen enough people shooting at stormtroopers in hallways. Can we maybe see something else? <laughs> I thought like, that was the whole point of Star Wars. I mean, I agree with that though, but like <laughs> well that whole show is a space western. There's so many western tropes you can you could use oh, yeah. that are that are still clichés but new to Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. I and like that's the thing about like this is like I've seen Batman punch guys in a warehouse or like an abandoned amusement park 86,000 times. You mm-hmm. got to do something really special to make it interesting. But the setting and the characters was so unique in this yeah. that it made it interesting. And my good thing mm-hmm. is uh, this is a pretty low stakes episode. Yeah. Like, nobody's threatening the world or the city. It's just Batman trying to catch a guy and take him back to jail. But they managed to build a very good episode out of it. What's especially impressive to me is Killer Croc is nothing. Mm-hmm. There's there's no character there. He's just a guy who's an asshole. Mm-hmm. And this is like, okay, it's fun for me to rag on the penguin. I'm not going to lie. Sure. But the bottom line is it doesn't matter how much, how dumb the character is, how weird their fucking aesthetic is, how pointless their, their whole thing. Is. Like this show can spin something good out of nothing when it's firing on all cylinders. Like there's nothing to the character of Croc. He's not a, richly compelling psychologically interesting character he's just a big scary guy well that's that's the thing and like it would be so easy with this show and with what this show has done so far it's made so many of its of its villains you know like you can see their side like their i love that look the tragedy of them like we we will go on celebrating how amazing the Mr. Freeze episode mm-hmm. was forever. It was so good. But like, but like, I like also like the, the like two face clay face, yeah. all the faces, you know, <laughs> yeah, and your faces. So like this show has proven that it's really good at getting you on the villain side. But, but that's why it bugs me. Like when the penguin has mm-hmm. all those shitty episodes, it's like, I know this guy kind of sucks, but you could, you have it in you to make the suckiest, most like flat, one-dimensional villain interesting if you mm. really try but like and sorry uh, go ahead no i was just gonna say you didn't finish we didn't finish talking about your good thing well, just that, the idea that he's just he's just a jerk and that's it that's the thing croc never comes off as redeemable and it feels like it would be really easy to play that card with him mm-hmm. like meeting all of these, well, all these especially folk. yeah i'm i'm trying real hard not to use the word freak which mm-hmm. they used in this episode well they re- they also referenced the movie so yeah, they did. At one point, someone actually says one of us. Uh-huh. But I I know, like, come on, don't do that. Yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, for him to meet his own kind, people who have been ridiculed for their appearance, and and, and find his family and, and, and do that thing like you see in old movies where he actually tries really hard to be good and, I don't know, Batman sort of forces him to be bad again or something. Yeah, like, there's a version of this episode where, like, he bonds with the SEAL kid and, like, mm-hmm. becomes, like... like Starts working yeah. on the farm and becomes like a better person. And everything that's not what this episode does. He nope. never, ever stops being an irredeemable piece of shit, and I kind of love that. Yeah, I like when they're saying, 
we have a little bit of money stuck away. Mm-hmm. And then one of them opens their big mouth and says, yeah, just $50,000. And the and the main dude just looks at him like, shut up. And Croc's just like, dollar You could literally see the, like, almost literally see the dollar signs in his eyes. Like, my only thing, my only thing, and this is my bad thing with this episode, related to this, is I don't know why the kid sort of, like, latches onto Croc as a hero. He's never anything other than a dickhole for the entire episode. Like, if you're going to play that card, have, like, like the kid and Croc, I don't know, bonding or something. But, like, they never do. It's just the kid like, wow, you're great, Croc, and Killer Croc going, fuck off. He Well, the thing is, he's never mean directly to the kid. Yeah. Because I saw this, like, you, you got to this episode before I did, so mm. I saw that as your bad thing, so I was watching for it. And it's not, it's not enough. You're absolutely right. But. There is, like, he he never lashes out at the mm-hmm. kid. He never says anything cruel. Like, he could make fun of the kid's appearance. He could just totally be a, a dick and a hypocrite mm-hmm. and just, like, well, yeah, at least I don't look like that. Ugh. You know, like, he he's as kind as Killer Croc gets, which is not very. Uh-huh. Not enough for this kid to think of him as, like, a his new dad or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be for, together forever, Croc. I just met you. Just because I didn't say fuck off? Uh-huh. Really? Wow. wow. That's a pretty that's low a, bar. Yeah, Jesus. Also, but also maybe, maybe, and they could have made this more clear, maybe that's just because his life has been so rough and no one's ever not told him to fuck off before. I mean, fair enough, you know? Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm making excuses. You're right to call that out. Like, yeah. that, they didn't earn that, that emotional mm-hmm. beat. And it's like, it's definitely something that they could have included. But also, yeah. you know, that makes Croc look redeemable. And I kind of prefer him to be just the worst. Well, the thing is, some of Batman's guys are just assholes. Mm-hmm. Some of them are misunderstood. Some of them are barely criminals like like Catwoman. Yeah, and some people are just jerks, Mr. Simpson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what he is not, however, is half crocodile, which <laughs> comes up a bunch in this episode. This is my bad thing. <laughs> He says it to the guards at the beginning mm-hmm. where they're like, we've got you chained. What can you do? Well, here's the thing you don't know about crocodiles. They got powerful jaws that can snap chains. O- okay, but you're not literally a crocodile, dude. No, I'm just and a then, man with a powerful jaw. Nom, 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 nom. And then later in the episode, Batman shows up and he goes to the, uh, one, of, one of the dudes, like I said in my summary, mm-hmm. is an Andre giant. He's a, just, a, just a massive dude. Sure. Uh, like the the circus strongman, I guess. But like seriously, he he probably suffers from like that thing under the giant, like a gigantism or whatever it is. Yeah, like it's it's more than just being a big strong guy. Like he's huge. he's 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 a he's a lot of yeah. boy. And and Batman shows up and like does the thing where you cover his mouth and like shh, I'm looking for a guy who's half crocodile. Batman, he's not. Yeah, he's he's a guy with a skin condition. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Oh, no, half man, half crocodile. Okay, well, first of all. We've pointed out in this particular episode, Mm. he they really live up to how scary he genuinely is. That's great. Mm -hmm. I'm glad because before he was just kind of dumb. But now it's like, no, he's he's physically very imposing, very threatening. And I'm glad they they brought that home because I wasn't really feeling it before that. Yeah. But he's not half crocodile. (laughs) He's just not. I my mother got amorous with a crocodile and so that's Look, she, how this happened she went to australia and one thing led to another she's a big crocodile dundee fan but i think she kind of missed the point <laughs> she didn't know about the dundee part she only saw the first half <laughs> yes because the first half of the movie is just about the first half of his name yeah it starts off with a crocodile and then the, the movie ends with a guy named dundee showing up you've never seen crocodile dundee have you no it looks really shitty no it's not they're fine there, you know, it's it's fish out of water comedy as well. Mm-hmm. It's not amazing, but I have very fond memories. My grandmother really liked those movies. All right. She she had a crush on Paul Hogan that was so cute to me. <laughs> that is I was horrible. Like, I was like twelve or something, and sure. she, you know, she's just like, yeah, I think that Paul Hogan's a real handsome man. Like, all right, I'll go see this dumb comedy with you. I go see every dumb comedy because I'm twelve. Yeah, right. And so I like I. I'm not trying to defend them as good. I just have very fond memories, that's all. Oh, fair enough. I only ever heard her express, like, that with, like, that dude and then Ray Milland from old movies. He mm-hmm. was uh, uh, the, the killer in Dial M for Murder. I don't know if you know. I anyway, I mean, I'm aware just, of it. I haven't seen it. But it's just, like, it's just, I don't know. Someone mm-hmm. you completely do not think of as thinking a boy is cute. 
This is such an odd thing. Anyway, she might have been into Killer Croc. I don't know. I mean, you know, different strokes. He is half crocodile after Yeah, all. that's what I hear. Or or your your freaky monster fucker wife. I'm kidding, Zap. <laughs> she doesn't listen. Hey, she only she only she's only into uh the types of monsters who have half of a face. So Of course. So if he was yes, literally half man, half crocodile. He's half crocodile, that's what I'm saying. No, but it would have to be that even split, you know? You can't oh, have yeah, a crocodile man face. You need right. a half man, half crocodile. Right, of course. Um, I noticed in your notes you you said you recognized the voice. Who who are you talking about? That was the uh the guy Richard the the Shakespeare ah. quoting person. Who okay, a little on the nose. He's supposed to be Richard the mm. Third, and he's got the oh god. Sorry, uh, Mal just poked her head out of the bedroom to shake a <laughs> finger at me for uh, <laughs> making fun of her being into Two Face. I'm not even making fun. I'm just referencing it. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, I'm trying to think of what the sensitive way we we used to call them hunchbacks. I know it's wrong, but I don't know what the better way is, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. But he is. He has. A, he has a hump. Yes. And like Richard, like Richard the Third in the Shakespeare play, and he quotes it a bunch. Mm-hmm. And actually, this leads me to my quote, which is Killer Croc telling him to shut the fuck up with Shakespeare. <laughs> the evil that men do. Stuff the Shakespeare. You're lucky you're still around to recite it. Because, yeah, really, come on, man. Especially Croc. after a whole episode of, of Madison Haddison mm-hmm. just nonstop quoting Alice in Wonderland. Like, enough. Croc, you and me are on the same page here. <laughs> no, we're really not. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I looked up and I, I didn't recognize the guy who played him from, mm-hmm. from anything. Uh, Goliath, though, the big, the big dude. Uh-huh. Uh, was Brad Garrett, who yep. a lot of people know as the, uh, I guess he's from Everyone Loves, Everybody he Loves Raymond. the brother on Everybody Loves Raymond. A, Which I never watched. A don't. It's a sitcom famous for not having a single likable person in it. I mean, so is Seinfeld, and I liked that show. So is uh, It's Always Sunny, and you love that show. That's so, like, true, but uh, these are very irritating people. Yeah, not unlikable in a funny way. Yeah, exactly. I do uh, not but, know how that show lasted seven years. I do, because... Everybody loves that guy. I guess. No, uh, it, you know, it's a it's a dumb sitcom. People everybody like dumb who sitcoms. everybody who counts loves Raymond. Yeah, all the important Nielsen demographics love Raymond. Mm-hmm. But uh, Brad Garrett will go on to voice your favorite character, Lobo. Boo! In, uh, in Superman, he's he's actually quite good as the character. I'm sure I'm he pr- is, but Al, I think you're confused. I actually don't care for Lobo. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm very aware. But also, when I first met you on a message board years ago, your screen name included the word Lobo, and I mm-hmm. thought you were a fan of the comic. No, that was uh, a th- because I was a fan of uh, cultural appropriation at the time, because I was yeah. stupid. Yeah, well, we all were. Mm-hmm. That whole message board was stupid anyway. It sure fucking was. But also, you know, I met you and my wife there, so... Yeah, it's, it's not all bad. No. Um, but anyway, uh, he will also voice, I believe... Is it Beppo, the guy who's like Popeye? Oh God, I know who you're talking about, but uh, yeah, the, in the, uh, the Superman animated series. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's 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 in this animated universe a bunch because he has an excellent sort of very deep voice like mm-hmm. this, and then he's good for that. I'll, honestly, he was doing animation a bunch prior to this point. I know he did some stuff for Transformers, so he's probably doing all the like making the rounds on all the toy commercial cartoons at this oh, point. Yeah. I would imagine. So you know, good for him. Um, but nobody else I recognize there. Can we talk about the seal kid for a minute? Yes, we absolutely can talk about the seal kid. What do you not want to know about the seal kid? I do. Uh, hmm. I know the point of the episode and the point of being a decent human being is not to mock people like that, and I I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But also, just the way they drew him was a little ridiculous. Well, he's got some fucking an- serious anime eyes. That's the thing. Is like the body was not like if someone is born with an unfortunate condition mm-hmm. or whatever. They don't look like that. This was a cartoon seal. Yes. Rendered in flesh colors with the head of an anime boy on it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, let's make this kid as cute as possible. And by doing that, they make him not look like a Bruce Tim character, you know? He also doesn't, like... And again, I'm I'm seriously not trying to actually mock people mm-hmm. who, who are, are born like however they're born. What I'm saying is he doesn't look human. No. Like, he, he just... He's drawn in a way where he he looks like he's half something. Yes. 
in the way that Killer Croc is not. Well, he it, it that's the th- he just doesn't look like he fits with yeah. the rest of the characters. That's what know? I'm saying. We got we got Richard who's got like his 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 hump mm-hmm. and we got the conjoined twins which mm-hmm. is that's that's real easy. You just draw two people <laughs> That's connected. just two Bruce Tim girls like glued together basically. Yeah. Like Yeah, and then Goliath who I honestly seriously gave me some Andre the Giant vibes not just because of his size. Like I think they they might have modeled him sort of I, that would surprise well. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this kid just, yeah, he looked like, he, I, what he looked like was a Miyazaki character to me. Yeah, well, it was like, it's like, hey, everybody, I just got here from Astro Boy. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. He's incredibly whimsical. I Welcome think to Batman, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. It's like, you know what it is? I mean, Batman's worst enemy in this episode is a tree, so mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like, we're off the map anyway. It look it looks like, so I was watching uh, Brave and the Bold a couple of months ago. I was talking about uh-huh. this. There's an episode uh, where it's a bunch of, like, different versions of Batman. Yep. And one of them is a takeoff of the Japanese uh, Batman, co- the Batmanga. Okay. And he looks exactly like a character from that for some reason, just like the way he's drawn. Yeah, like we're saying, he's yeah. got an anime vibe, so if he looks like something out of a manga, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess it's you know, just like that guy. It, it, it's, it's you know, like, that's that's what they call comics in Japan. You know sure. That, right? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm calling back to you talking about all those kids, those insufferable kids talking about Japanese stuff. Oh, yeah. Listen, I was definitely one of those kids. Oh, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. I was very insufferable. Were you I, a Weobotham? I don't know what that means. That's okay. Anyway. And I never have. That's all right. Uh, what else? Anything? Uh, let's see. I think that's everything I got. I really enjoyed this one, like, quite a bit. Yeah, it was really good. Like, it was, this is just a good chunk of Batman. Yeah. And it's, again, a a way this show can tell very different stories. Mm -hmm. Like, we're completely out of the city setting. We're dealing with a villain who's not sympathetic. Like, there's there's so many things tweaked from what we think of sort of the standard formula of what makes the show great. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why I liked it, I think, because it was so different than, you know, it wasn't like themed villain commits themed crimes and Batman finds out what makes him tick. Yeah. No. Asshole escapes. Gotta go catch asshole in a place I am not suited to catch an Mm -hmm. asshole in. Very good. I enjoyed it tremendously. All right. So I guess that's all for this time. Yeah. You know what we got up next week? So next week we've got, hang on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Oh, okay. Next week, we've got A Bullet for Bullock. Oh, yeah. And uh, The Trial. Ooh, okay, yeah. Which is a good, uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, is a good all-Batman villains episode. Yeah, I I think that's, and I'm sure they've done this in the comics 50 times. Mm -hmm. Batman's stuck in Arkham, and all his guys put him on trial. Put him on trial, and it's a good, like, Joker and Two-Face episode, if I remember. I I mean, I'm pretty sure they have most of them in there, like, in, in various capacities. Like I think the Joker is the judge, as I recall. Yeah. Um. I. Oh yeah, and Bullet for Bullock. I remember that one. But I'm also kind of confusing that one now with the, the first Croc episode where mm-hmm. Batman's trying to protect him from. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't, I just see. remember it being like like a big noir sort of takeoff. Yeah, and I know it's a it's a. Bullock needs Batman's help mm-hmm. and reluctantly accepts it. Episode, which I'm always like again. I hate when Bullock's just the bumbling fat guy. Put a little bit of that in there, mm-hmm. but he's he's also like that's a guy you want to make a little bit sympathetic, you know? Yeah. Don't just make him a, a, a like a one-dimensional asshole. Give him a reason to be mm-hmm. an asshole. So, so if you want to write to us, it is Kids Love Batman Podcast at Gmail. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, uh, I had I had a listener suggest something a really interesting topic of discussion on Facebook and I was like, oh please, please email that to the show. Yeah, we will seriously. forget it. We will forget that in three months or whenever it is we answer our mail. But if you if you email it to us and just just sort of lightly remind us what we were talking about. Put us on put us on track. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to discuss this. It's just like I, I'm like there's no way I'm gonna remember it from a from a tweet or a Facebook comment. Like that's the best way. It sits in our inbox until we record the episode. So like just put it in there and then it's sort of preserved until we're we're ready to discuss it. Yeah. Uh, the website is kidslovebatman.com. We are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt, and that's all for this time. Yeah, see you, folks. For more information about this show and the people who make it, 
visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com slash Algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.